It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. Same my first rodeo. To the basket, turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook house the three in the lead. You betcha. Redacted, redacted, redacted. The corner, PJ Tucker scores by Goldrich and the monster slam. Now it's time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. What is up? We are live again. We're not live on the big board. That's my mistake. There we go. We're live right here. There we go. (laughs) What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can check me out on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, and also the blog at ClutchCityCR. And joining me right now to talk some very interesting Rockets news is none other than fellow native Houstonian, Mr. Roosh Williams. What's up, Roosh? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. How are you doing? I'm trying to get this tweet off so we can uh, get some get some eyeballs <laughs> on this here thing. But how are you living, man? What's good? I'm 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 excited, and I you know we're excited. We're both excited because of the Boogie Cousins signing by the Rockets. If you could sum up your feelings, you know where you're at right now. Give me a one word or just a couple words of how you're feeling at this current moment in time. And obviously, we're gonna dive further into this very shortly. Man, I'm excited. That's the word. I'm excited. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, then you know that there hasn't been much to be excited about lately. And I would say this is exciting. Now we could talk about, you know, if that excitement is going to last or not. That's a different conversation. But yeah, excited, man. What about you? You know, it, it's been such a roller coaster up and down off season, you know, and with with all the the rumors swirling around Russ and around James. And then finally something, if you know, we, we go through all that for weeks, it feels like. And then finally something good happens. The Christian Wood thing happens. And there seems like there's this, you know, bright spot in the organization moving forward. Now I'll actually rewind a little bit further. Getting Steven Silas was actually a bright spot, like getting him and, you know, having this, this ray of hope for the Rockets future was a great thing to happen. But then Christian Wood happens and we're sitting there and it feels like the Rockets are kind of sitting on their hands. It feels like they're, feels like they're not making them any moves. feels like they're not getting any of the uh, the bigger name, you know, vet minimum free agency signings. We're watching, you know, the Wesley Matthews of the world go off to different places for these cheap deals because they want to jump on legit legitimate contenders in the Lakers and whatnot. But now the Rockets have Boogie Cousins. And this was a move that a lot of Rockets fans really wanted. And the fit makes a good deal of sense because he gives you a lot of what you want offensively to be able to space the floor for Russ, to give you a legitimate big, somebody with some actual size. Because as excited as I am about Christian Wood and what he brings, Christian Wood doesn't have enough sand in his pants to go up against some of the the bigger bigs of the league. So just first impressions, Boogie Cousins on the Rockets, where's your head at right now? You got the mic. Well, I think people need to be <laughs> <laughs> I think we to- hey, no, dude, time out, time out, time out. I can't. Why are you setting the mic off on the side? <laughs> like, we well, need to get you one of these. You need one of these mic stands, okay? Information Jackson, I have a stand, it's a portable stand for anybody watching. Uh, I had to put my iMac laptop back on my desk, which is like 21 inches, so it's taking up space. Therefore, I had to move the light over, readjust some things. But listen, I think people need to remember that 
you know, Boogie Cousins is not like, don't expect him to come in and start. I do not expect him to come in and start. No. You know, what I, is the de facto starter? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, theoretically you could run Boogie and Wood, but I would still go uh, Wood and then PJ, unless you can pull off a deal for someone like Thad Young, which is a different discussion. But what to expect from Boogie, man? Listen, this is the way I'm looking at it. He's hurt. He's been hurt. Um, you know, there's a lot of reason to believe that at age 30 or whatever he is, after back-to-back very serious injuries, especially at his size and weight, that, you know, he's not going to be anything remotely with, uh, you know, anything remotely like that he was, right? Um, and that's not my expectation. My expectation is basically, I'm going to look at it two ways. One is, what was Josh Smith for those Rockets when he came on, right? He was past his prime. He averaged 12 points a game, six boards, three assists, shot 33% from three. Like, those numbers don't jump off off the board, right? And he wasn't the same Josh Smith. Like, he was still athletic, but he wasn't, you know, the supreme athlete that he was when he was younger. So, you know, he was older, right? But he gave you another dimension offensively, and that's the important part. Exactly. He, gave, he, he provided another dimension offensively, and people underrate, like, even though the numbers may not be there, what you cannot account for is what the defense has to do now that that person's on the court, right? Once Josh Smith is on the court, it changed how the Mavs ran their pick-and-roll coverage. It decimated the, the Mavs pick-and-roll coverage. Um, it changed things against the Clippers because you were able to bring Blake and sometimes DeAndre out to the perimeter because Josh could handle the ball. Like, it, it just totally changes things. Even if the numbers don't go up or don't come up from them specifically, it creates for other people. Like Basketball is all about space, right? And space means more than just driving and kicking. You know, space is created in a variety of ways. And, and when you have someone that has to be respected as a creator with the ball, you know, like it, it dictates the space. Now, the second way that I would look at it is um, what what did he do for Golden State in his last season where he played? I think he averaged 16 points a game, eight boards a game, um, and two or three assists, and he shot like 27% from three. So he could easily drop off from that and then hit somewhere around those Josh Smith numbers, 12 and six, two or three dimes a game, you know, um, and it can make an enormous impact. And, like, that's not too unrealistic. I think DeMarcus Cousins is still capable of 10 to 12 a game, if not more, but definitely 10 to 12. You know, get some boards here and there. Get some dimes here and there. He's going to have those games where he has, like, you know, 8, 5, and 1, and then he's going to have games where he's got, like, 13, 8, and 4. And that makes a huge difference, especially next to someone as potent as Harden, especially as potent, uh, especially next to someone as potent as Russell Westbrook. And then you throw Christian Wood on there. Like, he's a fourth option, DeMarcus Cousins is. He could even be a fifth option if – if uh, Eric Gordon is still around. So like you have to keep that in mind. Will he stay healthy? I don't know, but the, the potential, like people, people are hesitant to open things up or to, to open up to the idea of bringing him in. But man, again, just think of Josh Smith with the Rockets. Think of cousins on the Warriors. Like they, they worked. And think of it. Think of Jeff Green, too, just this last season and what he was able to do alongside Russ and specifically James is that dynamic, that one five dynamic between James Harden and Jeff Green was really impressive in the in this past postseason, especially during those four games where Russ was actually out and Jeff Green was, you know, situationally, he was the secondary ball handler at times for the Rockets when Russ wasn't playing. And so you look at a guy like Boogie who does have some passing ability, can kind of, you know, pass either, you know, use, you know, right out at the uh, out of the three-point line as a passing threat, you know, getting, you know, for for cutters or whatnot, passing out of the high post, places, that, you know, places like that on the court, it gives them 
more it gives them a more dynamic offense and you talk about dynamic offense and Steven Silas those two terms kind of go hand in hand and what he's going to bring to the team less predictability more motion more dribble handoff things like that and I think something that we want to talk about here in just a moment because I want to get your thoughts and we're going to discuss a little bit kind of how the Rockets are shaping up compared to the rest of the really stacked Western Conference because let's face it the teams out West you know there's legitimately 10 to 20 10 or 11 teams that are all gunning for a playoff spot this next season, it's going to be a bloodbath in the Western Conference. And there's a matchup there that I really want to talk about, and we'll get there in just a quick second. But first, I want to drop in a quick word from our friends over at Built Go. Now, I wish I could show y'all what Built Go looks like, but I'm actually waiting on my next shipment to get in. Normally, I keep them right over here on my kitchen counter. But Built Go, it's this it's the best workout gel on the market right now. It's these They come in these little one-and-a-half-ounce packages. Um, it's basically like five-hour energy, but without that same crashing feeling. Uh, and it's natural, so it's way better for your body. Kind of like drinking a Monster, but with just like a third of the caffeine, you know, way less sugar. They have three different flavors. Uh, there's peanut butter honey, which is the one that I always order. Uh, mint chocolate chip, chocolate coconut, and you can check it out. Just visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. So again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Now, continuing on here at Locked on Rockets with none other than Roosh Williams himself. Roosh, the team that I had in mind thinking about how Boogie Cousins matches up really well. And again, we're, we're not expecting him. He's not going to come in and be the starter for the Rockets. He's not coming in and he's not going to jump in and be the third option for the Rockets. He might not even be the fourth option for the Rockets because Eric Gordon, for all intents and purposes, is still here on the team. So you're looking at this, though, and the team that jumps off the page for me that this Rockets team now matches up really well with situationally, health permitting for Boogie Cousins, the Lakers. The Lakers with Mark Gasol, you can imagine a Rockets lineup where they go a, and it's so crazy being able to say that the Rockets are going to be able to quote unquote go big, but they could run Boogie at the five, Christian Wood at the four, PJ Tucker at the three, and then Harden and Russ. And they have a lineup that's going to be able to better match the Lakers. And what you can assume is going to be their lineup of Dennis Schroeder, uh, KCP, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Mark Gasol. Those two lineups match up really well. And the biggest concern for me, and I don't know about if this is also your concern for DeMarcus Cousins, is how does he fit in defensively? You know, he's he's never been a phenomenal defensive player. Um, in fact, at times he's been a liability defensively. But against a guy like Marc Gasol, he becomes much less of a liability and matches up really well against him. So I want to know what you think about that matchup with the Lakers specifically, because to make it to the finals out of the West, you're probably going to have to run through the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I, the first thing I would say is uh, I would caution people to get excited in terms of competing with the Lakers. We have a long way to go. Uh, training camp has not started. I'm just saying, I mean, you got to set expectations, and, you know, it's easy to get excited, but it's also you, you got to take those with, you know. So you're saying set the bar low so that we're not disappointed. Basically. I mean, look, there's a long way to go. We still don't know. any. We haven't heard anything from James Harden. We haven't heard anything from Russell Westbrook other than he still wants out. So you can't act like, you know, hey, they're just going to come back. Like, I know we all be, become idealistic and we start thinking, oh, you know, well, okay, let's say they come back. That's a big if. It's a, like right now the odds would say 50-50 at best, I think. Um, so keep that in mind. Second, how do they match up with the Lakers? Man, the Lakers are deep. Uh, you know, do we have someone that can, that can deal with the quick twitch dribble penetration of a Dennis Schroeder? I don't know. 
Um, we, we saw them get torched by Dennis Schroeder this last playoff. So, yeah. We still have Eric Gordon for now. I'm not sure how long he'll be around, but he's there. So he could theoretically be someone that could, you know, play that role. Maybe maybe if Sterling Brown earns minutes, he's got the capabilities to, to play that role. We have no idea. Um, but the Lakers definitely are deep, and they have, you know, a ton of veterans that they can throw at you. Um, obviously, Mark Gasol, Porter, uh, West Matthews. Now they got Montrez, Marquise Morris. I think they got someone else in there. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just traumatized by how many pickups they made. But um, but regardless, I think the Lakers still have more. However, it gives the Rockets optionality, right? That's the most important thing. Optionality. Last season, the Rockets did not have that optionality. They just had to ride or die with what they had. This season, that's not the case. And I'm you know I'm hopeful if everyone's healthy and if things work out. If Harden and Russ stay and Coach Silas is the truth and all, you know, everything's great. I hope that we realize, you know, some of the people that were that were diehard on analytic, I don't want to call it analytics, analytics, but small ball three, you know, layups and threes only. I hope they start to realize if things work out, like how much you can benefit from switching it up for just even three minutes in a game, five minutes in a game, and having that optionality so that when one team goes to a strength, you can like, you know, it's like a defensive move. You throw your block out there, you negate what they're trying to do. You know, it's like in football, if a team's trying to establish the run, like you load up on the run and you, you make play smash mouth and let them know, like not today, right? Same idea. Rockets did not have that ability. Uh, but now they have DeMarcus Cousins. They have Christian Wood. All of a sudden, P.J. Tucker is like looking up at the, the guys who play. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it, it's exciting. It's nice to see. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Houston should be more concerned with trying to – at the very least, trying to beat a team that wiggles out of the pack out of three through eight, the team that can definitely be three and then fight for two and one. Because right now, there's like a log jam between three and nine. Yeah, and I I would agree with that. You know, I did a, I did a breakdown of kind of what what my thoughts you know in general of what a Western Conference breakdown was, and I'll probably drop that here in just a second. But I will say my my first immediate thought after they confirmed the Boogie Cousins signing, uh, you know, Kaylee Griffin, we love Kaylee, she's awesome. You know, sideline reporter for the Houston Rockets, she tweets out just a GIF reaction, right? And my immediate thought was thinking, oh wow, Kaylee's actually going to be able to interview people that aren't as tall as she is when she's wearing heels. Because when she's sitting there on the sideline in heels, standing next to Russ and Harden, and she's that same height as them, same same height as pretty much the entire team, I'm thinking she's actually going to be, you mentioned looking up for P.J. Tucker, you know, Kaylee's actually going to get to interview some taller players finally, instead of looking like she could play center for the squad. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I do think, you know, you're looking at now th- this team, and with all those rumors around Russ and Harden, I think there was, you know, s- concern, uh, you know, from probably – from certain free agents about what Houston was going to look like moving forward, whether those two guys are going to be involved, but what it sounds like everything that we're hearing both from, you know, from the Rockets previously and from reports from Adrian Wojnarowski, all that, it sounds like the Rockets are content to just, you know, I've been running the hashtag let's get uncomfortable because it doesn't matter if Russ and Harden both want out, they have no leverage to get out. And I think, you know, shout out to uh, Rowdy Maya who pointed it out earlier saying, I believe Russ and James are far too competitive to have mail-it-in performances if they're not traded. And I firmly believe that. I don't think Russ and Harden are going to walk out. If they're here December 1st, training camp, reporting in Houston, I don't think they're going to walk out and just, you know, Harden's not going to walk out and have, you know, put up 20 points a night on bad efficiency. Russ isn't going to go out there and not give it his all. It's not in their personalities, I don't think. they both. Harden's a hooper. He loves to hoop. Russ is the most competitive dude that I think has been on the Rockets, minus Chris Paul, in recent memory. 
you know, the dude has an engine that never quits. So when you're looking at that and, and how talented this roster is now, they have a legitimate chance if they come out, make some noise early in the season, maybe the, the 76ers and Nets falter a little bit, then maybe it changes their thinking because winning fixes everything, right? Winning is, it fixes all ailments, right, Roosh? It does. It really does. I was going to say, I'll push back a little bit. Russ and Harden don't quit, but I mean, I, I could see a scenario where the body language is just bad, you know? Um, Harden specifically has a tendency to have bad body language sometimes when he's just not locked in. I'll give you that one. And Russ's body language isn't bad the same way Harden's is, but uh, Russ can be, Russ can kind of like tunnel vision on something. He gets down on himself a little bit. Not like in the same way that Harden does, but you can tell like if Russ is having an off night, he's kind of beating himself up about it a little bit. Yeah, or he'll just tunnel vision on like a specific matchup, like when he got like locked into the thing with Rubio and he basically takes himself out of it and focuses on that away from his team, you know? So I wouldn't count that out. I mean, it's still possible, but I agree with you. I mean, look, it went from, oh man, Houston's a dumpster fire to, well, now if I'm one of those last veterans out there looking for a deal, why not? You know what I mean? Uh, Boogie Cousins. It just seems like they added some guys that not only have the attitude of, you know, like a tough, tough mental attitude type aspect to them in Christian Wood and, DeMarcus Cousins, but they've also added two guys that have that attitude and have actual like talent, offensive ability, you know, to like at a different level than what Harden is used to playing with. So that's the exciting part, man. Now, they're going to need some of the young guys to pan out. That was that was going to be my other things. They've at, they've injected a lot of youth into this lineup. Now, whether or not, you know, any of those young guys actually pan out, I think Christian Wood is a lock to, you know, knock on wood. Oh, oh wow! Nope that that was a horror. That was no pun intended there. I'm sorry. That was horrible. I kind of want to walk that one back. But anyways, um, Christian Wood. I feel like he he's a lock to be you know a contributor. He's going to be the starting center. You know, too much upside to not be a productive member of the team. But then you've got all the other young guys: Kenny Wooten, uh, Sterling Brown, Broderick Thomas, KJ Martin, Mason Jones, Trevlin Queen, Jay Sean Tate, uh, David Nwaba, who's just 27 years old. You know, coming back and looks looks to be healthy coming back off that Achilles tear. They're going to be. They're not going to be the oldest team in the league anymore. They've got so much more youth in that lineup. And I think the hope for everybody at this point is that Steven Silas will actually be willing to go deep into his rotations to squash those high minutes for James Harden and PJ Tucker throughout the regular season. You and I have had these discussions before where we both think that it would be best, you know, at this point in his career to ideally move PJ Tucker to a bench role, honestly, and kind of get him down to those 20 to 30 minutes a night and try to reduce some of his usage to keep him fresh for longer. Cause I don't know where you're at. I'd love to see PJ Tucker retire a Houston rocket. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Stanford KP has mentioned this. There's a deal out there that, that is theoretically possible. and might make sense for both sides where you send Eric Gordon um, for <laughs> DeMar Carroll. Yeah. We'll get to DeMar Carroll. <laughs> um, DeMar, DeMar Carroll hive unite. Maybe we'll get to Ersan Ilyasova. I think he's an interesting name, but um, there is a world where, what was I saying? Refresh my memory. I, I lost my track. Dude, you were talking about. So one thing I was Stephen Silas. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I remember Dallas. Um, it just feels like the Mavericks for the last couple of years have always had a random stable of just random wing guys that were never you know too good, but they were always kind of decent enough to come in and contribute for stretches at a time. They had a pipeline of younger, playable like guys from their like nine to twelve spots on the end of the bench. Right, right. And it seems like Houston is kind of doing the same thing. Like, I could see Jay Sean Tate being someone that contributes 
I can see Mason. Uh, is his name Mason Jones? Mason Jones, yes, sir. Jones, I can see Mason Jones. Just call just call him Kmart. I call him I call him Mace. Um, you could call him. I'm sorry. You can see him contributing on offense. So like there, are, Nwaba. I think Nwaba might be an actual rotation player if if used correctly. He's got tremendously long arms and he can slash and he can defend. So yeah, like the hope is that the team is not constructed with veteran leadership in terms of their star talent, young leaders, uh, young star talent, and Christian Wood kind of being molded by that, hoping that the that the environment's not toxic. Then you got your veterans with like PJ. You got help guys like House coming up. Like there's a nice blend, and then you have the really young guys looking for a shot. So there's a nice blend on the roster. I think they're a little bit away from wrapping it up. If they can get a guy like Thad Young to put PJ on the bench and, and maximize what they get out of PJ, I think that would be great as well. But I mean, I really think barring health, it's all this all hinges on health, but barring health, um, I really think this is now a competitive roster. If Steven Silas and his staff are the truth, specifically Will Weaver, if they can get things right on defense, they have so much talent. I mean, if they can get things right on defense, they have so much talent. And if Christian Wood is, you know, most of what he looked like after the Drummond trade, I don't know. It was a good team. It is a good team. And I want to, like I mentioned already, I want to get into kind of, I've got this way too early prediction for the Western Conference. Now, it's not predictions like seeds one through eight or anything, but it's just kind of, I've got every, all the teams broken up into different tiers. And I want to throw you that list here in just a second and get your thoughts on it. And we'll do that in just one moment. Final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with Roosh Williams. Now, Roosh, we're going to get to these questions from our listeners here in just a second, but let me just hit you with my broken down tier list for the Western Conference, and then we'll tackle these questions. And you can contradict me where you would like to on this list, but let me get the entire list out, okay? So we've got the Lakers tier one all by themselves. They don't even get a, they don't get, they're just the Laker tier. That's what it is, okay? We've got the upper tier next, and the upper tier includes four teams. We've got Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, James Harden and Russell Westbrook permitting, and the Mavericks. Upper tier, four teams. We've got the middling tier, which is only the Utah Jazz. We've got the lower tier, which is Suns, Blazers, Warriors. We've got the play in hopes tier, which is Grizzlies, Pelicans. We've got the trying our best tier, which is Timberwolves, Spurs, and Kings. And then we've got the Picks R Us tier, otherwise known as the uh, the Oklahoma City Presties. So that that those are how I've segmented the 15 teams in the Western Conference. So, and I've already got some, there's already some people chiming in in the chat saying, you know, with corrections on my tier list. How do you think that shakes out? Yeah, I think it's the Lakers at one, and then from two through maybe nine or ten. Like I would go, I would put everyone in the same tier that you listed from the Clippers to the Blazers. So Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Mavs, Jazz, Blazers. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Suns, Warriors. Suns. Uh, I think Suns, Warriors, but then there's there's different tiers within that. Okay. And that, that's what that's why I gave it different tiers because I give the Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, and Mavericks the slight edge over those other teams because they they haven't made any um, gigantic shakeup moves this offseason. Um, the Clippers, in my opinion, got stronger with the addition of Ibaka. Jazz added favors, but they've also kind of just been that middling playoff team that hasn't looked super threatening every year. Utah, I think Utah deserves to be in that top tier because they're well coached. They play good defense year in and year out. Donovan Mitchell looks like he may have taken a legitimate step. Okay. And remember, Bogdanovich was hurt, and they added favors back. Like, they're not going to be – you know, look, 
if Donovan Mitchell takes like a James Harden-esque leap, then they'll be contenders. Otherwise, they won't be contenders, but they can beat you in a series. That's the thing. Like, if you if you draw them, they could beat you. You're not going to draw them in the Western Conference Finals, most likely, but round one or two, I mean, I don't know. You just don't want to play them. I think, and they, they play well in the regular season. So playoffs aside, like, you have to factor in where they will be seated, you know? So I think they'll they'll fight for like a three, four, five seed because they okay. perform well in the regular season and they're well coached. For what it's worth, I did have the Jazz in that upper tier list and then got a lot of flack for it when I posted it on Twitter. So I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? Okay, out of that top five, because I did have the Jazz up there, I knocked them down a peg and gave them their own little tier in between the upper and lower tiers. Uh, the, but the Suns, Blazers, and Warriors, I feel like there's just too many questions surrounding those three teams right now. The Suns could be really good. They could be really good. They could also be a gigantic dumpster fire. I'm sorry. Sorry, they're not, they're not going to be a dumpster fire, but it, it might not work out as well as it seems like it's supposed to work out on paper. They're a very thin team right now. Technically, anything can happen um, because it's going to be like a you know shortened season. Things will be weird. Anything could happen. But look, you got their young stars, Booker, Aiton, obviously going to take leaps as they continue to grow. Then you, you um, plug in Chris Paul to kind of fortify with veteran leadership and been there, done that. Like that's the type of stuff when that happens, teams take a leap. They got Jay Crowder. So we'll see. I think the Warriors are on the lower end of that tier because without Clay, their perimeter defense. And I mean, Clay, first of all, was like a unicorn, you know, like his shot was incredible. The space talk about the talk we had earlier about creating space and what someone's presence on the court can do. Clay is like the epitome of that. His presence just scrambles a defense, even if he doesn't touch the ball. <clears throat> No one else can really score like 60 points dribbling 11 times or whatever it was. Um, so Clay's gone, and that hurts them severely on both ends of the floor. They'll pick up some of the offense with Oubre, but I don't think that does anything for their defense. I think the Warriors, more than anyone, especially if they had Clay Thompson, could have definitely used Marc Gasol. Um, and then they would have been like for real contenders, but without obviously not getting Gasol and without without Clay, I think they'll make, I mean, they could, I think they're going to fight for the playoff spot. They're good, they, they're veterans. They should do it, but I just don't think that they're going to contend. I think Houston could be better than them for sure. Portland, will they defend? You know, they're bringing back Melo. I'm sure he's going to score, but if he's going to play 30 minutes a game, they're not going to be good on defense. Um, Robert Covington? Obviously, they added Robert Covington, but as we know, you know, he's a, he's a great defender. I love Robert Covington, but he's not like a lockdown one-on-one guy, you know. Um, he's more of a help defender, but I love Covington. I mean, he's going to help them. So we'll see. You know, that, that's why I've got those three teams again, the Suns, Blazers, Warriors. I've just got question marks on. It's not that they're, I just think one of those three teams is going to miss the playoffs, or I apologize, not miss playoffs. One of those three teams is going to fall to the nine or 10 spot and be a play in team alongside one of the Grizzlies or the Pelicans. That's my argument there. I guess my official rebuttal is I would lump the Jazz, uh, I would lump the Jazz and the Suns in on the, the middle tier. Okay. I, I can I can I can get behind that a little bit. Okay, that's so, cool. Paul just did with Oklahoma City, dude. Now he's with Devin Booker. Like, that's you know what? That's fair. More off that, not to, not to simplify it. And then, like I said, I already explained Utah. You know, they're a machine. They may not get it done in the playoffs, but they're a regular season machine. Yeah, and they are well coached. Quinn Snyder is a phenomenal coach. Now it's uh, we've put it off for a little bit. Let's go ahead and dive straight into some of these questions. So. From the very first one, uh, out of the young guns that were added, who do you think will be a part of the regular rotation? Um, I'm pretty high. I think Sterling Brown has a chance to make you know get some legitimate minutes. David Nwaba isn't necessarily one of the the young guns that you might be mentioning. Uh, talking about some of the uh, you know the second round draft pick KJ Martin or some of the uh, un, undrafted guys, 
but uh, I'm pretty high on Sterling Brown. And then Mason Jones, you know, looks like he has a chance to uh, be a legitimate baller in the league. Roosh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, that was my answer. Is those okay. <laughs> um, realistically, I think Nawab is the most ready to contribute. Yeah. Um, I think Sterling Brown, pretty much the same as Nawaba. He's ready to contribute. Both of them. Uh, Nawaba hasn't, like, he's kind of bounced around, but he's shown, you know, talent. And he's shown, like, his body, is, is, his length is ridiculous. And it's very useful slashing and on defense. Uh, Sterling Brown was on a team like Milwaukee. I think he was, like, groomed to play. I remember he any time he'd get burned against Houston, he looked good. And then Mason Jones just looks like he's got some special offensive ability. By the way, I can't scroll down. I'm trying to scroll down and see some of these older questions. It's not letting me. I don't know. I got, I, I, I'm already up with some of the older questions, so I got us. Someone mentions Wooten. Um, I think Wooten, I don't know much about him, but just based on what I have seen and what I've looked at, he's probably one of those guys that's, uh, uh, that's jumping out the gym but, like, doesn't understand coverages and rotations and, I don't know, has other issues that leave him off the court. Because a guy with that – Did Joey Dorsey have ups or not? Could he I, jump? I mean – I can't really remember. I mean, I'm, I know he could dunk. I don't know if he got vertical, like super vertical. Because like, because like maybe that's like the closest comp, right? Is he's just going to be Joey Dorsey 2.0. Like, you know, the big that you throw in there when you just, you know, you say, hey, get in there and throw us in, you know, two, three fouls really quick. Like just, you know, go in there, try to swat a few, you know, shots into the third row and uh, just have a little fun in garbage time. I don't know. I, I'm not expecting a lot out of him. Um, but that actually does remind me. I do want a quick sidebar tangent. Um from Twitter, Don Knock pointed out that uh, having Christian Wood here in Houston means that he get, gets, gets to benefit from none other than the great Hakeem Olajuwon for the next three years. He gets to hope, probably not this offseason, obviously, with everything being so condensed and shortened, but the, Christian Wood will absolutely get some one-on-one time in the gym with Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, that's nice and sentimental. I just don't think Hakeem's game is teaching. I don't know. Hakeem's game was post-up footwork. I feel like what, what I want out of Christian Wood is to become like Kevin Durant or like Chris Stapps Porzingis, you know, like ball handler. I, I want him to develop some ball handling and creation skills. He can already shoot. I want him to solidify that and prove it for longer than just one season. Um, I mean, Hakeem's my like favorite rocket of all time. Don't get it twisted. But um, but yeah, I, I want him to be more of that kind of player. Because if he, if he becomes that, if he's like 20 and 10 and he's getting it like KD off the dribble, off the bounce, pick roll, finish, yada, yada catch and shoot like that is potent and that's that's a guy that next to Harden would be would be potent you know um someone asks we've got a, we've got our Ersan Ilyasova question here for you so I pulled this up go for it I pulled this up for you I want your thoughts on Ersan oh oh nice nice yeah there it's it's on the screen right there for you man come on you're, I can't even say get a pair of glasses because you're wearing glasses Technologia. okay so I think we should add Ersan Ilyasova I think we should low risk high reward yeah for forward depth, they need forward depth. It depends on who else is available. But if if Arison's the best guy on the market, yes. I mean, again, he played for the Bucks. Like, you know, it's not one of those guys that looked decent on a bad team. He was actually contributing to a good team, um, to the best regular season team in the league. And he does smart things, takes charges, knows how to play defense. He can catch and shoot an open shot. He's just a high IQ player. So I would go for Ilyasova, depending on what else is on the market. Yeah, and he's a you know he's a decent three point shooter too. You know if you if you give him the benefit of the doubt, you say he's a thirty seven percent three point shooter, give or take for his career. So that's you know nothing nothing hurts there. And it's worth pointing out that the Rockets, if I'm not mistaken, currently have fourteen players under contract. 
It's either 13 or 14 players under contract. And somebody asked earlier the possibility of potentially waiving Chris Clemens um, before his contract guarantee date hits so that they have an extra roster spot to potentially bring in another forward or another another big, you know, somebody with some size. Because again, right now we're just looking at Christian Wood and Boogie Cousins as far as the only two legitimate bigs on the roster. So I could legitimately see them doing that. Uh, somebody chimed in on Twitter the other day saying that there is a league-wide guarantee date uh, in January usually, which has been pushed back to February now for this upcoming season because of the shortened, condensed nature of it being a 72-game season. So there is a possibility there that Chris Clemens gets waived uh, down the line so that they don't guarantee his contract, and then they can potentially go out and get a buyout candidate type free agent uh, to kind of round out the roster somewhere further down the line. So figured I'd, I would highlight that. Um, let's get another one in here. Uh, can you get Shaq Harrison for the minimum? That would get you that defensive guard. I think, didn't Shaquille Harrison sign somewhere? I have, I think I saw his name, but I don't know if it was him signing or if it was, you know, somebody, somebody in chat chime in. Did Shaquille Harrison sign somewhere? Hang on. Shaquille Harrison. <laughs> Get on them Googles, boy. I'm doing it, but my keyboard's loud. Hang on. It sounds like a typewriter. All right. Sign. While we're doing that, though, so someone says Glenn Robinson, good shooter. I mean, when it comes to picking people up, it really just depends on who's available. Like with the Marcus Cousins, I don't think anyone, any of us had any you know, inclination that uh, the Rockets were in contact with him. I didn't know. I didn't see anyone report it, you know? Um, okay. No, no, not yet. Shaquille Harrison hasn't signed. Um yeah, I mean, he would be he would be a great get for the minimum. I, and I, there's not that many other teams out there that have legitimate money to throw around now at this point. It, it pretty much is kind of boiling down to minimum contracts or teams that might have a little bit of the MLE at their disposal. Now, it's worth noting that the Rockets utilized a little bit of their MLE already to be able to sign Jay Sean Tate to a three-year deal instead of just a two-year deal. Um, so they did dip into that already just ever so slightly. Um, and as far as my numbers go right now, um, with Boogie Cousins thrown in there, looks like they are currently sitting just about $3 million shy of the apron, the hard cap. Um, so they've got, I think, again, 14 players under contract and $3 million left over of you know wiggle room right now to potentially bring in you know number 15 which is excellent that's great that they've got because you have to have a minimum of 14 players on you know on your payroll um in the nba season otherwise you face repercussions for that so um, that works out there i just had this thought in response to your elijah Wong question the person who could actually benefit from that more than christian wood would be demarcus cousins DeMarcus really cousins. It, uh, elaborate marcus cousins can post up you know that's like that that's an option the Rockets haven't had since Donatus Montiunas, probably, at like legitimately posting up. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, D'Antoni took over and they went five out. So, I mean, someone like DeMarcus Cousins, especially, you know, now that he is physically compromised from injury, um, he could benefit from getting some footwork down and, and kind of, you know, working on his game around the basket, maybe just a little bit. Not that, not that the Rockets should start posting up DeMarcus Cousins as their main supply of offense but it's just a thing that's there and I, I do think in, in regards to the Hakeem thing, revisiting it for Christian Wood, it, it, obviously Hakeem's bread and butter was in in the post right there on the low block, but Hakeem had the ability to face people up too. You know, and you, when you look at some of Christian Wood's highlights, you know, he catches the ball and he's right there on the perimeter and he's quick enough, you know, you know, even at 6'10", 220, he's quick enough to take opposing bigs off the dribble. He's got a decent enough handle, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a crossover that he's got. Uh, in there to to throw other people off balance and be able to get to the rim. So thinking about what 
again, Hakeem, you know, getting in the in the gym with Hakeem and having him kind of be like, well, these are some of the moves that I use when I'm facing up, even though it might not be, you know, him on the low block, I think it would still be beneficial for a young big to have, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it, teach him some of his, you know, some of his moves in the gym. But I pulled up another question for us. What does our defense look like? That's the big question right now. Yeah, that is a big question. Um, I'm really excited to see what Will Weaver is going to bring to the table, what his approach is going to be. Um, I really always hated the idea of the Rockets just kind of telling everyone, hey, we're switching everything, we're switching everything. Yeah. Um, that's what we're going to do. Because then people know how to attack that, and they did. They started doing slip screens, um, and they just like discombobulated the base of the Rockets offense. So, shout, shout out Nikaias Duncan. How do you beat a switching defense? Slip screens. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Look, don't even get me started. That made me so mad because anyone knows that. Anyone. Like, if you – come on. If you anyone watch, with half a brain. I mean, you just slip screen, fake it, boom, done. Like, it's so simple. But, yeah, it's too predictable. Kay says it's too predictable. It is. So, um, it, it really depends on what Will Weaver is going to bring to the table. I mean, Christian Wood is now – kind of replaces some of what Capella gave you. I think people – Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think people might be surprised to find that Wood doesn't have, like, the ups that Capella had. Capella had some serious bounce, so he could get up. Um, both his, his, the target radius for Capella lobs is uh, probably uh, significantly bigger than it will be for Christian Wood because of Capella's vertical jumping ability, but also because Capella just – Capella had underrated hands for a big. Some of the passes that Harden would lob up there for Capella, he had no business being able to corral and then actually convert into a bucket. And it was because think about the times not where he gets the ball and actually jams it through, but gets the ball, falls down with it, or you know, does a reverse layup on the other end of the basket, or comes down with it, then bounces back up because he's got that quick second jump. I just feel like there were certain areas where Capella's dynamic in that Harden Capella pick and roll were underrated. Uh, Capella is good at like at like Randy Mossy, you know, like he'll high point it and like Mossy. Uh, he couldn't. His hands were pretty, in my opinion. They weren't great off the bounce. Christian Wood probably has better better hands on the bounce, in my opinion. The thing is that Christian Wood doesn't get as high, um, and I don't know this for sure. Just by looking at the two, I, it looks like Christian Wood's arms are longer. His arms look freakishly long, and I think that's why he's able to get to the ball. He doesn't he doesn't jump as high, but I think his arms are a little bit longer and he's just high by the baby. But I could be wrong about that. Um, but uh, defensively, you now have Christian Wood in the back. You have uh, length. You have height again. Parade. Christian Wood has a seven foot three wingspan. Capella has a seven foot five wingspan. Just so you Ooh. know. Wow. Okay. Well, then Capella has the. I mean, that's why Capella is more of a threat. Then he gets up higher. Um, but yes, and he's got long arms. But yeah. So now you have Christian Wood back there, six ten. You know, long seven three wingspan like Capella, close to Capella. Uh, so. That's something they were missing last year. Obviously, you lose Covington. You're going to have to replace that. But if you think about it, honestly, if you think about it, Covington's strength on defense, again, wasn't necessarily his man-on-man defense. It was more so his recovery and help side. He was really good at recovering when he got beat and poking poking the ball away, uh, which he did a lot. People underestimate like how many balls he was able to like poke away and jar loose. Uh, he was able to weak side block a lot. Christian Wood will replace a lot of that in terms of weak side blocking because he'll just have the coverage. Um, but they can replace Covington is what I'm saying, because as long as they get like, honestly, a guy like Trevor Ariza is probably better at or, or as good at this point in his career at man to man, man to man defense. So if you can pick up a guy like Ariza on the buyout market, stick him next to house, you know, they have the length. Um, and it's just about if they can get on the same page, man, I think they can defend pick, pick and roll uh, coverage with wood. I think they can defend like five out with wood. Um, and then they have versatility with guys like Marcus Gasol or bigger guys like, 
you know, like Vucevic would, uh, Vucevic and the guy on Memphis, I forget his name. Uh, uh, Valanchunas. Valanchunas, the two Vs, baby, VD. Uh, Vucevic and Valanchunas would always eat because we just, Capella was always too light for them. They would post him up. And then once Capella was traded, they didn't have a big that could guard them. Now guys like DeMarcus Cousins can can stick them. You know, like what's that meme of Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns like trying to put shoving up. into DeMarcus Cousins and Cousins just. So, so now the Rockets have like a, just a little more versatility. And like we talked about, they've stockpiled on these like young wings that should be able to play some defense. I think, I think David Nwaba is – Again, I think he's going to play because of his defensive ability. I, I think I want to transition this into into another question where somebody asked, who's your forward depth? And don't say Nwaba or PJ. I mean, what kind of – I'm just – I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit. Sorry for that, man. What kind of question is that? Because PJ and Nwaba are absolutely part of your forward depth. I mean, they, they've added a lot because it's – you have to get rid of the notion of point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. That That's not a thing anymore. In the NBA, you have – you have guards, you have wings, and you have – or not even guards. You have ball handlers, you have wings, and you have bigs. And that's today's NBA, and it's a lar- largely a positionless game. So when you're looking at the Rockets' forward depth, it absolutely includes P.J. Tucker, Daniel House Jr., David Nwaba, um, Jay Sean Tate, uh, uh, K.J. Martin. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, there's somebody else that's slipping my mind right now. Where's my depth chart at? I think I think that's it. But look, Sterling, no, Sterling Brown. There we go. Another another forward. Another you know strong forward who's going to get some minutes. Um, you know can can shoot the three ball from the corner. So that's the Rockets' forward depth. I think Sterling's more of a two. He's a two three, two three. I mean, but you can make the same argument about about David Nwaba. They're both six five. They're both somewhere in that two fifteen, two twenty five range. Um, you know, solid defenders, you know, good defensive IQ can shoot the three ball. Um, and that's, that's where we're at right now is the Rockets have stockpiled all those types of players to be able to have that switch ability at least one through four. And then Christian Wood and, and DeMarcus Cousins are able to hold down the bigger players at the five spot right now. Well, I'll say to the point of trade Harden for Embiid, by the way, interesting name. I wonder if you still feel that way now that the Rockets have Christian <laughs> Wood and uh, Boogie Cousins. Um, this this man right here, look at that. That was me. <laughs> no, but um, I was going to say, to his point, though, it's not that – the game is positionless, but it's not heightless, right? And they are – he's right. They are 6'5 in shoes, and that's an issue. Jay Sean Tate, 6'4", 6'5". Uh, PJ, you know, 6'5". Six, six, Waba, 6'4", 6'5". House, 6'5", 6'6". They're, they're not – like, they, we, they have Christian Wood, but it's kind of the same issue when they have Capella is, like, the drop-off is steep. So it would be nice to have a mobile, like six foot eight guy. That's why a guy like Trevor Ariza would help. That's why a guy like Thaddeus Young would help. Because if you just have at least one of those guys, then then guys like PJ Tucker, who make up for their lack of size with other intangibles, guys like David Nwaba, who make up for their lack of size with freakish wingspans and good athletic ability, now they all of a sudden become complements instead of your main, you know, your main guy. Right now they're complementary players instead of being relied on heavily in every single matchup. And again, it leads us back to what we're talking about, optionality. When you have the option to be versatile, you can play with anything because you're going to need different guys for different stints and different stretches. Um, so, so I get his point. Um, and a guy like DeMar Carroll wouldn't be too bad. You, you know, he's a solid 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, you know, you need, it's just height. When you have height, people cannot underestimate what that does um, and how that, how that can help because – there's a huge difference between a bunch of six five guys and a bunch of six eight guys. I can promise you. Right? Uh, 
look, we, we, we made it back to DMC Hive, which is my red light to say that we should probably cut things off. I think I think we've we've touched on a lot of different bases tonight, and the fact that we're we're back into the uh, the DMC hole. Is... There's one I wanted to get to. Someone, All right, sure, point it out. Someone asked, uh, with the new additions, what would the ideal closing lineup be for games? So let's take the roster as it is right now. Carroll is not horrible. He's useful. But let's take the roster as it is right now, um, and let's figure that out. So it would obviously have to be James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. First, hopefully he's at a at the rate that he was from January to March. Harden, Westbrook. P.J. Tucker. Mm, hold on. Harden, Westbrook. Christian Wood. Uh, I do I, – I... I, w- I almost want to venture away and say that Christian Wood isn't necessarily a lock for closing lineups. What? How could you say that? I'm going to I'm gonna venture out and say that there's a possibility that there might be some closing lineups that are featured. I'm not saying it's going to be – I think Christian Wood will be in the de facto closing lineup, but I'm saying, again, we've, we've thrown the word optionality and flexibility around quite a bit. Steven Silas strikes me as the kind of coach that isn't going to be – um, isn't going to pigeonhole himself into just one closing lineup every single night. He's He strikes me as the type of coach that will change his closing lineup based on a number of factors, based on who's playing well that night, based on what the opposing closing lineup looks like. And so I don't want to say that Christian Wood is the de facto five in the closing lineup. There's a very legitimate spot that P.J. Tucker might be the de facto closing five on a specific night if the matchup makes sense. That's the only caveat that I want to throw in there. But I do think P.J. Tucker is a lock regardless of if he's at the five or at one of the wing spots. I, don't, I mean, look, so I'll say this. We can disagree on that. That's okay. I'll say this. You're right that, you know, hopefully Silas is the kind of guy and someone asked, uh, Earl McCoy asked if Silas is going to play 10 to 11 players a game during the long part of the regular season. I hope so, because he's going to need to. And to, and to feed into your point, Jackson, if closing lineups are changing, you know, depending on what he's trying to go with and if things are going to vary depending on the game, then that's the approach you should take. And that's the approach I like. I think it's kind of dumb to just be like hard-headed no matter what. You kind of have to look at what things are like. You know, there's the cliche about, oh, we need to dictate and make them play up to us. But, I mean, the Lakers could have said that and they would have had a much tougher time against the Rockets if they didn't put AD at the five. So it goes both ways. But I would say Harden, you got to think of it as your ideal, right? If you get to call, yeah. you know, if things are going the way that you envision ideally, what's your starting sure thing? With the closing five. Harden, Westbrook. I would say Christian Wood. Um, I'll leave Boogie out for now because of health reasons. Like if he returns to Boogie Boogie, Boogie has a definite argument to be in the closing lineup. So I'll go Harden, Westbrook, Wood, House. And then the fourth player is where I think the optionality comes in. I think the fourth player depends on do we need shooting? Ben McLemore. Do we need perimeter defense? David Nwaba. Do we want veteran overall defense? P.J. Tucker. So on and so forth. So I think that's the, the approach, but that's just a total guess because, you know, we just signed Boogie two hours ago. So I'm, I'm going to sick April on you because that uh, the, the P.J. Tucker slander at this hour by not just putting him in the de facto closing lineup is abominable. I can't. It's been a weakness, though. I mean, look, let's keep it real. I love P.J. Tucker. I want P.J. Tucker to remain on his team. P.J. Tucker is vital to, you know, his, his versatility. And the toughness he's brought, just being like Geo dude on the court, it's amazing. Don't want to give it up. But offensively, you need to get to a point where all five guys can do something with the ball off the bounce. You know, PJ Tucker's, you want to talk about predictability and optionality. PJ Tucker shoots from the corners. That's it. And when he's off from the corners, teams start to just concede the corner to PJ Tucker because they're daring him to shoot. Now, I'm not slandering PJ Tucker as a corner three point shooter. I'm just saying if you have a guy like, He's a bit one-dimensional on offense, which is fine. That's Nwaba in that fifth spot. Now you have a guy who can spot up shoot at a slightly lesser rate, what, 34%, 35%? And, yeah, somewhere around there. and he can slash and finish above the rim, right? So, like, 
example. Macklemore, you can slap. I bet Silas is going to use Macklemore uh, in some interesting ways. I'm excited to see. Shoot from any anywhere on the court, slash, like, it, it just depends. I don't think PJ should be a lock. I think PJ should be a lock if we need his services for what he can do and or if the Rockets are being played in a manner where he's been killing them from the corner three and they have no choice but to give that up because Brooke Lopez is intentionally sagging or whatever. You know what I mean? Look, no one said Gordon for a reason, okay? Like, as one of the the last comments in there. Um, all right, well, I think we've hit on a lot of different topics, uh, covered a lot of ground tonight. Roosh, as always, it's a pleasure to chat hoops with you. Um, go ahead and let everybody know where they can check you out at. If you if you do not, I suggest you follow me. Daryl Morey followed me today. That was a highlight of my day. Shout out to Daryl Morey. He just it. now followed you? Uh, no, like earlier today. Okay. Shout out to Daryl Morey. Shout out to Raphael Stone. We didn't talk about Raphael Stone, but shout out to Raphael Stone. We didn't. He's doing an excellent job. First few his first few moves um, as a GM have been interesting. They've been exciting. I'll <clears throat> I'll reserve all praise in, in the in the event that James Harden gets shipped for a Nets poo poo platter. <laughs> we'll see. So shout out to Raphael Stone, Scalia. No, no Eric Gordon unless he's shooting forty percent from three. Um, <laughs> you can follow me. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, R O O S H Williams, Roosh Williams. I got a podcast. Um, the Noble and Roos Show, presented by Ball is Life. Check that out. You're going, you can also catch me on the Clutch City Control Room podcasting there. So give that a follow on Twitter as well. And it's always a pleasure, man. Go Rockets. I'm excited, baby. Let's Absolutely. Let's get some optimistic tweets going. I know, right? We're going we're gonna to turn into eternally optimistic Rockets fans until something horrendously goes wrong, as is always want to do here in Houston, because that's just – it's who we are. It's what we get. Um, but – breaks a tweet until until Adam Schefter hits us with breaking news that James Harden has just been traded to the, to the Brooklyn Nets for Jared Allen and a couple per crown. Quit quit speaking it to existence. We're not even going to entertain those dark thoughts. But uh for today's episode of Locked on Rockets, our emergency podcast talking about Boogie Cousins and the addition to the Houston Rockets. That's going to do it. As always, thank you all so much for hanging out, asking questions, spending time with us and for listening. As always Thank you, thank you, thank you, and we will see you soon again here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Our double.